welcome to In the Field Radio 91.3 FM WVKR Poughkeepsie Independent Radio. I'm Erin Boogie and I'm here with Miss Lady D. What's going on? How are you doing? I heard you became a rapper since the last show. I did. I did. It was it was a secret that I was holding in it was forever. Good identity. And uh, you know, I I we went on two humble productions, the podcast or the web show. And, um, you know, I decided to share it with the world. To be honest, I've known you for quite a few years now and had no idea that you could spit bars like that. I was impressed. Thank you. Did you, you got- I mean, I felt like I was rapping about Bible stories. Definitely made some Bible references. <laughs> Incorporated in the field and too humble into the rhymes. Right. That, that had to be one of the best freestyles they had. And well, so, okay, so I think so because it was two guys hosting that didn't talk about the female coming up there and rapping. So to me, that was an indication that you did I. Yes. Because you know they would have shredded you if you didn't. Yes. It has been so bad. So you got to sign the table. I got to sign the table. Shout out to Too Humble for having us because we had a great time out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we, we got to go to Liberty. We got to swear. We got to uh, it was offend glorious. everyone. Literally and, everyone. You know, I, I think we had a lot bottled up inside. I, I agree. I and mean, it all spilled out. And my dad was watching. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I don't think it got too bad because I watched it. So I was like, okay. It, it felt like it was a lot worse than what it was when I went back and heard it. We didn't get canceled yet, so that's a good sign. I mean, I made sure I said my disclaimers. Uh, how many times did I have to do disclaimers? Like three? Uh, there was a lot, a lot yeah. of disclaiming. That if you're not cool. easily offended, definitely go check out. You could rewatch it on Two Humble Productions LLC Facebook page or wherever you listen to podcasts. It was cool because they have a different audience than us. They got that whole Middletown, Liberty, Monticello, Sullivan County area, Orange County area. Like some of the artists I said they'd never heard of and then I'd never heard of, well, you know, some of the people they've had on there. Yeah, which I think is a good thing. Uh, Bringing them on the show previously and then now going on their show, it gives both of our fan bases an opportunity to connect because it's not like they're that far away. You know, like we should all be sharing the same audience and the same interviews. Yeah. And I think that that's something that you should be doing if you're going to, you know, well, I'm not even going to go there because I don't claim to represent the 845 only. Yeah. Uh, but someone who does, they should do that. That's what I'm going to say. I'm with it. Like I'm, for them to do it. Yeah. I'm with that. And artists uh, take note. There's plenty of media outlets around here for you to take advantage of. There's no excuses anymore. And I love that one. If there was a trash outlet, I would tell you. Yeah, definitely. And well, and we wouldn't go on there. <laughs> Right, we would not go there. <laughs> we would definitely not give them the cosign if we didn't feel like they deserved it. That's for sure. What else is going on? I just wanted to give, uh, I guess, a quick shout out. I think that's the right way to put it. But Cardi B for going diamond with Bodak Yellow. Yes. The first female rapper to go diamond. That's a pretty big accomplishment. That's so cool. I heard you're going to be the second with the freestyle. I'm working on it. I love it. I was already picking out mansions in the Hamptons for us. Yeah, $25,000. No, million. Oh, million. <laughs> it me. was just basically monopoly money. Yeah. Like if you pay $25 million for a house, then you got to have way more million than that in the stash. 
Yeah, especially if that's your vacation home. That's not your main crib. Oh, my God. It was a vacation home? Yeah, most of those people don't live on the Hamptons. That's seasonal. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, one day. Oh, my God. So speaking of, like, Lord and Bible stories and what have you. I'm nervous now. No, Kirk Franklin. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. But... (laughs) I mean, church people allowed to curse, right? You can curse. It's funny because the son, like, you hear the son daring him and telling him to shut the F up and all of this. Then when he gets cursed out, he's like, oh, my God, no one should speak to their kids like this. He is 33, child. I thought he was a child. It's no. to the comments. And it was like, he's 33. I was like, 33? <laughs> and then Plies responded to basically saying that that's how he talks to his kids. I mean, his life must have been, I mean, it goes to show that he must not have always spoken to him like that. Because if you're sitting here at 33, being shocked and appalled, you telling that grown man, you a grown man telling another grown man to make you do something. Are you crazy? Yo, and you, as a grown man, you leaked the audio. Who does that? That's so weird. Like, obviously, he was talking to you pretty nicely because you're so sensitive. Like, there's no way that you were abused this whole time and you're 33 and you're this sensitive. For real. Although you never know. I don't think I have anything else. Should we get into this freestyle? Yeah, we're going to play the freestyle for you. With Austin Fillmore, who definitely was the first interviewee that almost made us cry. See? It was karma. We've had two, like, really, like... So, the last interview with Ali Elohim was like really inspirational and then this yeah, I one thought he was gonna cry because it was so recent so i thought he was true thinking about he... it and be like and i was like oh my god and now look we almost cried oh my god well this was like tugging right at the heartstrings i was he told that story and we actually physically had to take a break for a couple seconds to regroup and then come back because how do you ask, how do you ask a generic like music question after that you can't right you know what we'll let y'all listen to the interview and then when we come back, we'll reflect a little bit more. Can you turn my headphones up? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I like, like that. that. Mm. Been in the field all these years and I'm still too humble. These bitches mad cause they roaches and they hope I stumble. My kingdom come. Is wrong. That's why your shit crumble. They fake and frightened cause they know that I'm with all the trouble. Keep them shisty bitches out your network, cut the cables. Bust their head open like a Bible can't enable. Me, myself, and I the only people at the dinner. They the only ones who love me even as a sinner. Y'all don't think I'm with the shits because I'm flying pretty. The Lord knows I got anger in me. You say they better not, but me, I wish a nigga would. Hating stiff and heated, burning like some firewood. My taste expensive, child, your mouth is dusty, words is cheap. Got the game all on my shoulders like a Louis V. I don't care, I'm talking sleazy and I'm still a queen. So don't be minding women's business, snitching like a fiend. Mm. Welcome back to In The Field Radio. I'm Erin Boogie. I'm here with Miss Lady D. What's going on? And we got Austin Fillmore all the way from Chicago in the building. Yo, 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 what's up, though? Whew, we're all hurting today. That is a whole fact. <laughs> We've come together in our shared misery. Yes. 
Or a hangover from alcohol means that you're supposed to drink more alcohol. I thought it was like any Taco Bell, right? Ew. Ooh, Taco Bell sounds smacking right now, little kid. <laughs> it's like Taco Bell or Wendy's. That's like the the cure for the hangover. Uh, right? Taco Bell sounds like Taco Bell sounds like the perfect move right now. All right, so tell us a little bit about who Austin Fillmore is for those that might not know. All right, well, Austin Fillmore is a pop R and B singer rapper from Chicago. Um. He's very eclectic. Uh, He likes referring to himself in the third person. (laughs) No, that didn't land. All right. (laughs) Uh, No, he's he's an interesting person, man. He's just, uh, he's out there. I I do a lot. Um, I'm me. I don't even know where where to really start. It's hard to think right now. But um, grew up in Chicago. My parents, um, my dad's a pastor. My mom was a banker, um, and she did the whole stay-at-home thing. Um, so I had a pretty cool upbringing. I got the, an older brother, two younger brothers. Um, so every, every day it was like it was a fight in the house. So we grew up pretty tough, um, and we were we were raised to be pretty strong individuals. So I'm not really scared of anything. Um, I'm a go-getter, and uh, but at the same time. Um, I have a lot of compassion for people in, in, in whatever situation they're in. And I hope that my music reaches people and, you know, puts them in better moods. So you said you do a lot of things. What are some of those things? Uh, well, I act as well, too. I'm in a um, play. It's a, it's a rap opera, I guess you could say. Where? Uh, uh, it's out. Yeah, it's in Chicago. We um, We were supposed to... You know, before COVID, just some shows in New York, but obviously all that stuff got messed up. It's called the Rosina Project. It's based off of the uh, Italian opera, The Barber of Seville. And so I'm Bartolo. And so I, I sing and rap, and, and then my buddies sing the opera, we dance. It's, it's, it's a fun gig. Please tell me um, that you guys have plans to come to New York after COVID ends, because we definitely want to come see that. Hell yeah. So, so now your uh, dad is the pastor. How does he feel about, like your music and things like how does he feel about <laughs> you seem a little wild a little bit which is usually what happens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over time they just learn to deal with it really i mean they're supportive and everything that i'm doing they want me to, to be 100 percent authentic mm-hmm. so you know we've had arguments we've had fights about it you know I'm, I'm a grown man and they understand that and my dad actually came to one show my mom has never been to one of my music shows she's came to my acting shows but my dad has came to came to the first time I performed at the House of Blues, and you know it was an eye-opening experience for him, and it made him appreciate it. Because at the end of the day, I'm just like him. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a guy on stage with a microphone preaching my message. He actually likes the music that I, the songs that I don't curse in. He actually plays them. He'll send me a video of him listening to it. So it's it's been a journey. It's been a journey. I definitely I definitely had my because as you know, being a preacher's kid, that's like the mo. Mm-hmm. You know, PKs are bad. PKs, was last I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm I'm definitely I've definitely traveled down that path. I've done my dirt and but it's all about finding yourself. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like I have found myself and I'm just, I continue to find myself every day. So I feel like as long as you're doing that and trying to be a good person, everyone else you straight. Talk about your uh musical journey a little bit. 
because you seem to be navigating pretty well. Like a lot of people have issues getting, yes. you know, their music out, getting appropriate management and PR and stuff. Like, how are you so savvy with that? I'm a firm believer in if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, things will just fall in place. You know, if you're really meant to be doing this music thing, at whatever level, whatever capacity. I made a lot of mistakes, you know, in the beginning. And at the end of the day, I just knew that if I just got the music out there, and I stayed 100% authentic with it, things would just happen. You know, I just, my manager has been working with me for two years now, or just two years. I've been doing it for 11. So the first nine years, managing myself. And mm. what I would do is, so Austin Film was not my real name. It's my stage name. I'll tell you that story in a minute. But what I would do is I would I started uh, emailing people saying, my, my real name is Colin. I'd be like, yo, this is Colin Ferguson. I manage Austin Fillmore. Nah. And so then when I pull up, they'd be like, oh, where's, where's your manager, Colin? I'd be like, I'm right here. <laughs> so it's a little finesse. I mean, it's and true. I, it's true. It's, I mean, and, and, and it actually is perfect because now I know how to hold my manager accountable for the things he should be doing because I did it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it works. But it's there's no there's no rhyme or reason there's no method there's no formula you just gotta do it and you gotta learn learn as you go along so anyone who's really really wants it and should be do, who really should be doing it and really wants to do it things will fall into place even how I got my manager that fell into my lap you know I had people before that said they wanted to manage me that never because they couldn't but my manager he pursued me I blew him off for the longest and then. One day I got to go perform, perform at Kansas University and my buddy's like, oh, we're going to drive down. And next thing you know, he, he's on the tour van. I'm like, oh, how the hell you get on this van? He's like, I came here because I want to be, I want to, I want to, I want to rock with you. So we, we got to spend that time together and we became friends before he became my manager. So it just, just happened that way. Everything happens for me naturally and organically. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I think it should be. Did you grow up singing in the church? I did. My mom, we grew up, uh, we, were, we were required to play uh, an instrument and a sport. So I did three instruments and three sports. Tax what and, instruments? Saxophone, clarinet, piano. Wow. Yeah. My mom played the piano, taught us how to sing. We sang in the church, did all that stuff, sat front row, Vaseline on our, on our lips and face, greased up. You know, you know what it is. <laughs> but, and it's something, it's something that like, you know, Especially being African American, churches is a staple in our community. It, it makes us who we are. It, it's actually how a lot of our popular singers become so good at harmonies and and using the, their inflection in the voices. Learning that from church, that emotion, that that passion that church brings is something that, as an African American artist, it's hard not to bring to your own music. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So now tell us the story about your name. All right. So we're from the West Side of Chicago, Austin neighborhood. So that's part of how I got my name. My grandmother's called the mother of Austin. She raised uh, the Austin neighborhood. She was an alderman. They were the first blacks to be in this neighborhood. Uh, my grandpa in the 50s, Chicago, hired the first five black cops. He was one of them. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of history when it comes to the city family. And then my first one was off of Austin and Fillmore. It just, it just made sense. And it was an ode to my grandmother, who I never actually got to have a conversation with her because from the time that I was three, three or five, to the time that I was, so I graduated high school, actually, 2006, she was in a vegetative state. Um, she was just this lady in this bed who was paralyzed, who couldn't talk, couldn't, could only shake. She had a situation where um, she was working really closely with Mayor Daly. He would have a limo come pick her up every day. And one day, her secretary had a, a, a boyfriend that was stalking her. So my grandmother had him removed from the building. He waited for her in the parking garage while the driver went to go get the car and beat her up. And then when her head hit the pavement, she became instantly paralyzed for the rest of her life. 
And I was like, I was three. Oh my God. Yeah. So I had this, this great woman that I heard all these stories about who everyone said, everyone said that I was her favorite. She would take me to all her little court meetings. I would sit there with her. I would, I would be on the bus with her everywhere. That They said that I, I never left her side. So I, all these stories I got to hear about her, I never actually got to talk to her ever. Her way of saying, you know, oh my God, you've gotten so big. Like when you walk into the room, she just starts shaking. And that's like her analogy. So. It just, it, it, it made sense. It was only right. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. I don't know how we follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what's funny? I don't think I've fully have told that story out loud um, in a music interview. I've just said it to friends and, friends and stuff. But, you know, no one's ever really, they ask me and I, t- I tell them the story, but they never actually did have to turn around and be like, so like, what really is behind it? So I appreciate you. I appreciate you. You're making this interview enjoyable for me. And that's the one thing I'll tell you as an artist. I get all these blogs and people want to interview me. I get bored with the same old questions. Who inspires you? Who's this? And especially when they just text text you and message you the questions you got to answer. Who, 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 where are you from? How do you describe yourself? It's the same old questions, man. Like, get, get on the and phone. Somebody and somebody put the effort in to write your bio. And yeah. Exactly. So we read that. So I heard the street intersection mm-hmm. I heard mm-hmm. that part but i did not know everything else behind austin exactly you know? yeah. i appreciate you guys actually giving a <laughs> yes. sorry now i feel like we yeah. can move on because that story had me stuck for a little bit that was like <laughs> i was like that totally that tugging is. at the heartstrings i was like oh god i'm gonna cry in the interview it's a tearjerker for sure wow so uh, mankind you just dropped mm-hmm. that a few days ago i did like not even 10 days uh yeah it was uh a week ago yesterday um, it's a cool song. Um, definitely one of my realest songs. I freestyled the whole song. Actually, this whole project pretty much freestyled, but Mankind is definitely, uh, it's a ode to my family, ode to Chicago, ode to being as real as possible, accepting your flaws and your, and your, and your mistakes, and also letting people know I ain't scared of nobody. I ain't scared of, I only, there's only one person I fear, and that's God. And that's, that's literally what I'm saying in the song. So it's a, it's actually, it was my manager's idea to, to, to uh, make it a second single. I wasn't even going to choose that. He just liked the song so much. And I actually wanted to do a different one, but I was like, you know what? Uh, I'll just let him make a decision on this one. And I'm happy, happy we, we did it that way because it's, it's, it's out of the norm for me to make. That type of song is usually what you call an album track. People got to get the album or, or be really be a, a big, a real fan to, to know that. So, you know, to put it out as a single, it was, you know, it was different. And I rocked with it. Yeah, oh, so I think that was a great uh, follow-up to the I Lie, You Lie. You Lie, Cry Track? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I was like, because, I don't know, I'm a little bit of a savage, so I'm all like, I'm so bad. Like, I don't be wanting to see men be like, I'm hurt. You say you don't or you want to? I don't. Well, some of them only make music like that. So that's what upsets me. So, right. <laughs> but, but so I was like, oh, okay, this is a whole different lane. So it shows that you do different things. I mean, but you have a bunch of albums out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I have, I literally have a song, you know, for everyone, for everybody, for every mood, every situation. I mean, that, that goes towards my movement. I think Let's Feel More. You know, I don't, it's not, I don't want you to turn your, your brain off. What I want you to do is accept whatever emotions that you're in right there to be able to conquer with the one thing that everyone is fighting against, and that's fear. Fear of being vulnerable, fear of being out there. You know, I want to, I want to tear down those walls, and I, I, I'd say that. And then these blogs, these people have their agenda, their agenda. These blogs, and they, and they say, I'm fighting against hypermasculinity, and I hate that. I oh, hate, no. I hate, I hate that. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I seen it. It was past couple months. Like we'd be sent over the paperwork with like, this is what I'm talking about. I'm, you know, whatever. 
And it's and they're like, oh, he's fighting against hyper masculinity. I was like, that's not what I said. I, I get what you I get what you mean, but that's not what I said. What I'm saying is, there's no gender behind what I'm fighting. What I'm fighting is fear, and everyone, male or, or not, male or female, is is uh, that's fear, and that's what I'm fighting against. Did you, know you feel like you were like lying a lot? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it was really like a self reflection? Of course, of course. You know that as that is one thing. The whole reason why I was so adamant and this is my motto is because it's something that I dealt with so much. You know, I'm not afraid of anything now because I was afraid of so many other things. I was so afraid of being vulnerable. I was afraid of being that person that was honest. Instead, I walked around trying to, you know, sag my pants, be cool, be this, be this person that I thought was going to be, was going to give me respect and, and it didn't. Selling drugs. I did that. Thinking, oh, I'm going to be cool. No, that ended me up in jail for eight months. Face of four to fifteen. No, don't do that. Like, it's okay to be okay to be real. It's okay to be you. It's okay to. It's okay to and if people don't like that, move on. Mm. So that's that's what. In that sense, I guess I'm fighting hyper masculinity. But you know, even with you know, women have fears too. You know, and no one should be afraid. Everyone should have the opportunity to express themselves. So, right. That's what I'm about. What was the hardest lesson you learned being locked up? The hardest lesson I learned being locked up was how easy it is to, for it to happen again. And how, how the, the scariest thing about jail is how comfortable you can be. I mean, think about it. You got three meals a day, you're chilling, and you got no responsibilities. You just, you're just kicking it. And the scary, scariest part for someone like me is, you know, I got used to it. I mean, some people, you know, it probably takes them a while, but other people that are survivors, they know how to adapt. And I got used to it. I got comfortable with it it was my situation. And then I started talking to other people that have been there. And I'm, I'll never forget, actually, so I, I would rap for like, the, for like the inmates. This is all before I started make, I started actually pursuing music. I would rap for the inmates. And one of the dudes was like, yo, you should try it. And do it when you get out. So I was like, all right, bet. And I remember he was, we were sitting there talking and he, he was telling me about the situation. He goes, oh, I probably get six years, you know, this time served. I'll probably be out in a three-piece, do a three-piece. And I'm thinking like, when he said three-piece, first thing that came to my mind was chicken nuggets. And I realized this fool talking about three years. I'm looking at him like, what, cuz? No, what? And he he, he looked at me and go, you go, little homie, you're going to be back. Oh. I told him, I said, no, the hell I'm not. <laughs> and it's just, it's just, it's, it's, and I met the most resourceful people, not the smartest, resourceful people mm-hmm. in jail. Survival. They survival. They know how to survive. And, you know, when, when, I, when I got out of jail, my mom picked me up. I remember the first thing I had was Subway. And she's like, you ready to get back to it? I said, what you mean? She goes, you got to get a job and all this other stuff. And go back to school. And I'm, I was like, so wait, I can't kick it no more? <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying? So that, so that's when I decided to, to pursue what I'm doing now. And it just kind of worked. But the hardest lesson I learned in jail was how easy it is to fall back into it. And that's why they, that's why they have it as a system they have it. That's why black men fall into that system because it's a, it's a, it's a circle. It's never in a circle. And shout out to our listeners behind the wall. We actually have a huge inmate listening base. Really? Yeah. We're oh, we're surrounded out. by a lot of prisons and jails over here. Mm-hmm. So we have a pretty big inmate listening base. All right, H. Well shout out shout out to the bros and the ladies. Keep your head up, get through it, and whatever you did to get up in there, don't make the same mistakes. Do your time, get up out of there and, and do something better for yourself, bro. If I could do it, anybody do it for real. I love so that. And don't yeah. be yelling free to guys when they shot up the whole school or some shit. <laughs> oh my God. I ain't with that. I ain't with that. Look, look, look. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm straight up. 
you gonna get you gonna get the real you gonna you gonna get what I what I say. Don't be no, saying free so guys. Don't, free guys. Don't, don't be saying free the guys when this dude then then robbed the, the local grocery mart and killed little Momo off the street. Like don't be the free the guy. Lock that fool up. That boy needs to be locked up. <laughs> Boy, crazy. That's oh, God, reason. it's so true. It's so That's true. That's a fact. People, people don't want to be real no more. People, people want to people want to follow this, the status quo. Don't nobody want to think differently no more. So I ain't with that. With uh, Remy. Oh, man. You guys seem to work closely. Like, was he there the whole journey? Did Is this new? No. Me and him, we, we've never been met in person, low-key. I'll tell you that right now. We haven't met in person ever. Um, how this whole, how this, how this all came about was there's this producer in Kazakhstan who hit me up, was like, yo, I want you to rap over some of my stuff. I'm like, bet. He sent me a bunch of beats. I picked out five that I, that I rocked with, and I recorded over them. And then I sent it to him. He was like, oh, these are raw. And I was like, oh, word. Let's, 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 you know, let's get these out. He go, oh, well, I need you to pay me for the beats. I said, bro, what? Um, you hit me up, but okay, how much you want? A hundred thousand dollars per beat. Oh, you you big tripping right now. You you got dropped on your head or something. What's what's going on, bro? Let's talk. Didn't want to negotiate. I would have paid him. I would have paid. I tried. To, I was like, bro, I need three hundred per beat. I'm not paying you a thousand. He didn't want to. He didn't want to negotiate. My manager ever knew Remy. He he we you know me and Remy wound up introducing each other on Facetime. I said, like, look, bro, I got these songs. I'm gonna give you these vocals. Build the beats around it, and that's what he did. And we, over that process of time of interacting that way, we became friends. And we talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about life, we talk about politics now. He's actually flying up here in a couple of weeks because I have a show. I have this, I'm doing a performance on Audio Tree. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. It's a, it's a thing in Chicago where they do like unplugged type of thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like people, like they record you performing your, your track or your tracks or whatever. It's like, a, it's like a show they put on YouTube. They have like over 100,000 followers, I think, on YouTube or something. So he's coming to town. He's coming to town to be a part of that. That's my first time meeting. But he's a cool dude, man. He's um he's actually Haitian. He's Haitian. I saw that. Well, I read that first, and then I saw a picture, and I was like, "We don't look it." (laughs) That boy, the white. That boy, the white. When he told me that, I was like, "Okay, that's why you got. That's why you got some soul to you." I'm like, "Boy, you look white. Why didn't white?" But he cool though. He's really cool. And his people, his people are hella cool. They invested into us. They low key. They they put up the bread, man. Because of because of him. I can't I can't knock that. So he's 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 definitely new to the journey. As far as my journey, he's so he's someone I can see he's gonna be around for a while. So who are some producers you wanna work with? How much time we got? Diddy, Dr. Dre, of course, uh, Southside, Bruno Mars. I know he be producing his own stuff. CeeLo Green, The Dream. Man, any anybody really. I, I I'm a fan of Good music. I'm a fan of people making good good art. You know what I'm saying? There's there's beat makers and then there's producers. There's people that just put a bunch of sounds together that sound dope, and then there's people that put their heart into it, and that's who I want to work with. So I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, Wiz Khalifa. I know he's an artist, but some I've always loved this his, this dude. I always loved the style, love the swag. So I know he's definitely someone I, will, I would want to work with. But uh, ultimately, if I could work with someone, it'd be Michael Jackson for sure. He's the he's the, he's the greatest man. That man's at the Super Bowl. Stood there for five minutes, just stood there, mm-hmm. and had people just waiting. And it, and 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 the, the cue was when he touched his glasses, that's when we start performing. People were passing out, and this man didn't even said a word. Yet. <laughs> Have you ever seen the video of that? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. intense. It's intense. I and he didn't move for that boy. whole time. Didn't move. Not a muscle. Didn't move. Didn't move. I was like, this boy, this is the coldest man to ever do it. 
So I actually, because I, I went and rewatched it recently, so I like looked up like when he performed at the Super Bowl, and it turns out that he was like the star of like the halftime Super Bowl show. Yep. And mm-hmm. they brought him in to drive up ratings. The go. You know they don't even get paid to perform the Super Bowl performance now. No, I didn't know that actually. I googled it because I was, you know, that's always been something for me. Like, oh, I want to perform the Super Bowl. You know, that's every that's every artist's dream. So, like, when the weekend got to do it, I was like, why they choose the weekend? Why haven't they chose somebody raw, raw? But and the weekend actually put up his own bread to do his halftime show. Well, that's what that's what happens. They cover they cover everything to make it free for the artists. Yeah. But they don't actually pay them for their performance. And then the weekend put his own money up because I guess he wanted a certain type of style or whatever. Yeah. But but then it's smart because I'm like, man, you're not gonna get paid. Like, what? You better pay me. Pay me. But then, but then what he did is he just went on tour. He he released his tour dates right before the performance. Does the performance now? Everyone in the world in the United States is watching him. And his ratings just I think his streaming increased by four hundred fifty percent. His streamers went through the roof after that. So he he got paid. What do you think his deal is with the Grammys? I mean, he wasn't nominated, right? He's the deals with the Grammys is because the Grammys are are trash. The Grammys, the the idea of the Grammys is dope, but mm-hmm. you know this that's not real voting. We need to bring that's back like, the Source Awards. You know what I'm saying? I feel that that's too black. But the weekend has Grammys. Right, but I mean, he has three. <laughs> so what is his problem? His problem is <laughs> he know he knows it's not real. Them Grammys getting no Grammys has nothing to do with music. Cardi B got a Grammy over what's his face? Travis Scott. Cardi's new album got a Grammy, and that was based off of sales and based off of what she represented. And then when it when it comes down to the actual music, Travis Scott's Astro World. That joke from start to finish was cold. You gonna put Cardi B over them? I'm, I'm not knocking Cardi. I love her, but. Well, I, I, nobody I, sat there and listened to her album all the way. No. The Grammys definitely are not a benchmark for like good music. So then, why are we even? Why do we even care about it then? You know what I'm saying? But do we like? Do you tune into the Grammys every year? No. Exactly. I know. Yeah, it's right. Right. You're, what yeah, award you're... show do you like think is valid? I believe of critiquing music. None of them anymore, to be honest. And I don't really That's watch them anymore. Years ago, it used to be like, you know, the MTV uh, VMAs and music awards, like those were like, like the pop culture's answer to the Grammys of like, okay, the Grammys are like, you know, stuck up and, and so we don't really value their opinion on music. And they're just kind of like giving us these categories to make us happy. And then we had like the mm-hmm. VMAs, the Source Awards, the BET Awards, and slowly those award shows either went away or lost their credibility. And now mm-hmm. it's like none of those shows really matter. I don't. So the being only- an artist, what do you, because now, you know, people would be an artist and, you know, making it or reaching the top to them would be getting a Grammy or something like that. So what are artists that are not interested in an award show anymore aspiring to do? Take care of my family by doing what I love. That's that's it. Good answer. That's it. I got kids, man, and you know, give me a Grammy. That's cool, but I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make this million million a year. I'm trying to make this, you know, two million a year. That's my Grammy. Just seeing my kids eat, seeing my family eat, everyone, everyone comfortable. Not just comfortable, but we flourishing. You know, bread on top of bread, like everybody happy, everybody eating. That's 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 my Grammy right there. That's all I care about. And then if the Grammys want me to come dress up in a suit and tie and give me an award after that, it's just it's just it's just it's just it ain't it ain't it don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. To me. Uh, what are some goals you have for yourself this year? Uh, to hit a million streams on uh, one of my one of my songs that I'm dropping this year. Well, I don't care which one, just one of them. 
I finally broke 100K. I broke 100K a while ago off a song that wasn't my own song. And then I finally did it off of one of my songs, Same Wave, um, which is what I did to build my Spotify. I started collaborating with artists that had more monthly listeners to build up my my stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my goal is to hit a million streams on a song, whether it's, I don't care what platform it's on, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, whatever, just a million before the year's up. And once you get the first million, it's easier to get the, the, the next one. So that's that's definitely my, my number one goal for this year. And to get back to performing, man, that's where I really miss. I mean, performing is, performing, the performing aspect of it is my favorite part. That's how I, you know, that was my really, my first introduction to music. It wasn't being in studio, it was on, on stage. Getting back to that, I had a whole bomb, bomb tour set up for 2020. I was going, I was going to perform at the one place I've always wanted to perform at, and that's South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So fun. Bro, you don't know how many years I've been just wanting to, to do it. And people like, I'm the type of person, you know, I could be selfish. I'm the, type, I'm the type of person, if I'm not if I'm not performing at it, I'm not going. I don't, I don't, I've only been to two concerts in my life, with Khalifa and Brad Paisley. And I, I got free tickets to both of them. I don't go to festivals. I don't, I don't, because I don't want to experience it from one side. I want to know, I want to experience it from the side that I want to know. So anytime I've ever been to a festival, because I'm performing. So all my homies would drive down to South by Southwest just to go walk around and kick it. I'm not doing that. I'm my first time going there. I want to be there to perform. And finally, I I got that call and then COVID. But you know, we're gonna get back to it. So. Um. And what can we expect next? Oh man, a lot of music, a lot of music. We're gonna in May. We're gonna start just dropping a new single every two weeks. I mean, that's literally all I would do. I do every day, every night is record. I have at least five, six hundred. So I, I have enough music to last me the next four years. If I dropped them, if I dropped them in singles, so that's what you're gonna expect. You're gonna expect a lot of different stuff from rock music to to pop to everything, man. I'm challenging myself. I'm pushing myself every day. So you're gonna just gonna see. You're gonna hear the craziest music I've ever made in my entire life, and the most mature, the most mature, and the most heartfelt. So that's what you can expect. You you can expect consistency, realness, and if you really take the time to listen, it's gonna blow you out the water. And you're gonna realize people are gonna realize them. And I'm gonna say this. I'm. I feel I am the best artist coming out of Chicago, and I feel like out of the up, up and coming artists, I'm top five in this nation. Talk that smack. Okay. That's it. That's it. And and then and it's not because I feel, I feel like I'm a better rapper than most people. Where I'm just that eclectic. I can. I have so many. I have so many options in my bag that I could do. Thank you to thank you, which you know I gotta thank God for for that blessing, that talent. It's just undeniable, and it's not—it's not a cocky. It's being confident. Like because there must be like a Chicago music community. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you fit in there, or you're a part of that, or you're kind of like an outlier? Let me try to be PC. No, you don't mm-hmm. gotta be PC. I know, no, I know. I was—I I felt myself doing that. And I, I'm like, no, man, this is the truth. Chicago. I—I I, I hate. I hate. I hate. You know, you, you go to my city, and there's all these artists that are like, oh, Chicago don't show me no love, man. Chicago Chicago just be hating. Chicago be hating. You know, all those stuff. And I feel that. I feel that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not going to lie and say I don't feel that. I feel like Chicago didn't really embrace me. Then They embraced me for a hot second. And then because I wasn't making that drill, drill, bang, bang, Chief Keith joint, or and because I didn't have the money behind me like Chance did, they kind of just, you know, looked over me. So I had to go turn to other cities, which, you know, want to work into my favor. But I hate I hate the fact that my city gets this rap that oh we just a bunch of haters and when I, I realized you know because I used to be I used to be that way too oh Chicago just be hating Chicago just be hating then I go to other cities and I realize people say the same thing about the city that they're in at the end of the day mm-hmm. it's gonna be you know what I'm saying at the end of the day it's gonna be haters everywhere you just you just gotta you just gotta fight through that 
the music scene in Chicago is very eclectic. Really? It's, it's, it's so dope, man. I got so many people, so many friends that make music that are so different. And, it, and, it, and there's, no, there's no real light being shown on it because we don't have the outlets that Atlanta, LA, New York has. Like, there's labels there. And then there is an element of, there isn't, there isn't, there's an element I will say, at least especially when it comes to Atlanta, of, especially in the black community, of people working with each other, not against each other. We still haven't figured that out totally yet in Chicago. Um, but man, th- th- there's so much talent in Chicago that, that it is, it is I, I feel it's, it's the responsibility of the people that have, are from Chicago that have grown up to come back and help shine that light. And I don't feel like no one has fully done that. Kanye left, Common left, all these, all these artists from Chicago, they leave, they go to Atlanta. Uh, yeah, Chance, Chance came back. Yo, New York, New York. something about Chance. If I hear Chance and his horns one, one more time, time, I'm gonna punch a baby. Yeah, so yeah. that's how he. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I met, I met, I met him a bunch, man. I've been around him a bunch. Like um, um, Chicago, his, his, unfortunately, again the bloggers. Chicago, there's blues and everything that came out of there. And we may know that, but there's this generation of people who were born in like 2010 and things that don't know that. And all they know is that that fat blogger sat there and was calling it Chirac and all this wood music comes out of there, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then now that's what people think about it. And they don't yeah. think about the history and, and all the other types of music that come out of there. So Man. I think that it's really great that you're so eclectic because they're going to be like, oh, Chicago does this too? And it's yeah. sad, but it's it's needed. You know, you know, Chicago has produced some of the greatest and influential people. I mean, you know you know the movie I'm talking about, Night in Miami? It got, it's the night, Muhammad Ali, um, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and the, the Sam singer. Cook. Sam Cook, yes. Mm-hmm. He's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And and people don't think about that anymore. They don't, man. Chicago Chicago has a bad rep because we've allowed ourselves to because we didn't we didn't have an identity. Mm-hmm. We didn't have an identity. We weren't we weren't allowed to have an identity. You know, I, I'm when I get on to the level that I I know that I want to be at, I'm coming back and I'm giving I want to showcase a light for everyone. Not just Chance came back and showcased a light for high for the students for the kids. That's cool, bro. I appreciate that. But there's but there's people there there's people that are in their twenties and their thirties that could use that light a little more than a high school kid. Not saying a little more, but just as much. It's the same, at the same, at the same, at the same pace, you know. Sure. Okay, so your music tastes are what they are, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I listen to things where I'm like, "Yo, if my friends heard this, they would look at me like I have five heads." So mm-hmm. what's one song that you like that would probably freak everyone out? Freak everyone out, as opposed to why am I listening to it? Yeah. I don't think I ever expressed this out loud before. So sophomore year high school. There's two songs that I played on repeat. Two songs. I still to this day play one of them. Um, the first one was "Excuse Me, Miss Jay Z and Pharrell." All right, but everyone likes that. Everyone likes that one. But then for my black butt, I would also be listening to Shania Twain, "Forever and Always." <laughs> that old, that old, old white country joint. I love that song Shania too. Shania Twain, I'm dead. I don't know why I love that song. She went crazy. It's just, it's yes. just I, I love that song. I got it on my so playlist good. right now. And and whenever I play, I, and I like see, I like doing things like I like I like, you know, and, and, and my my friends like they wouldn't be surprised they because they because they've been around so much. But like I'll be I'll be in the homie I'll be in the car with the homies, and I I'll, I'll put that on with, with with all the dudes in there, and they just be looking at me like, bro, come on, bro, and I'll be just singing like, no, nah, you know you like this fool, stop playing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm a clown with them, but they'd be like, bro, come on, man. So I, I usually I usually get to about halfway through the song and I change it, but but you know, when they get out the car, I play it again. I'll be playing again. <laughs> That's all I got. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Alright, well tell everyone where they can find you, your social medias, music platforms, where they can see you act, all that. Man, you can I'm I'm all over the place. Uh website is Austin uh Fillmore music.com. Um Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all the same. Austin underscore Fillmore. A U S T I N underscore F I L L M O R E. Talk to me, man. Slide in my DMs. Chop it up. We can have a real conversation. If you're an artist, just need someone to talk to, holler at me. If you're someone who's struggling, going through whatever, whatever, holler at me. I'm at the end of the day, I'm a music person, but I'm also like a motivational I'm a motivational speaker, so I'm always here to help. He's a so PK, talk. y'all. He knows I'm this. A PK. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I'm all over following you guys, and uh, I appreciate you all very, very much. Welcome back to In the Field Radio. I'm Aaron Boogie. I'm here with Lady D. What's going on? Congratulations to Nas for winning his first Grammy. No one watches the Grammys anymore. I mean, that's cool for Nas, but... Yeah, it's a little weird for me. I felt like out of all the albums that he put out, this one was the strange one to win the Grammy for. Wait, so that means that somebody that we interviewed has won a Grammy. I don't know if he was on the album. He was on the, I know he was on the Lost Tapes too, but I'm not sure he was on that one. I'll have to check. Oh, this is not even that album? Oh my God. No, it's God. a different one. So, so no one even listened to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. And you know what? Honestly, Nas had his time. Why are you giving somebody uh, Grammys? They're not even like active. Like it's so weird. He's like, he's literally not really active musically. It's so weird. Y'all should have been did that. Now it's a whole nother generation and time for people to be winning Grammys. And you then now you want to give Nas a Grammy. You're late. You're late. That's how I felt. And I felt like there were so many other amazing albums that people listened to and talked about nominated in that category that out of all the people nominated, I thought for sure Nas wasn't going to get it. I thought that I was going to be mrs grammy lady d and i'm not now right no yeah it was produced entirely by a hit boy and gabriel g code i don't know how to say his last name serves as the executive producer and has features from big sean little dirk anderson pock asap ferg five year foreign the firm and more the firm come on man all right well let's move on to megan markle because i don't want to talk about Nas's weird album anymore i'm angry now so megan so how markle- was the interview you you watched it I wish that I could give you an update, but literally as soon as we stopped recording and I turned the interview on, Ty came out and put the Lakers on. So the only thing I got out of it was what was published. And it was a lot of like the royal family is racist is what I got out of it. And that Megan felt exactly, it seems, how uh, Princess Diana felt as far as the, the hate that she was receiving in the British press. And so they split from the royal family and now they live in California. Well, you know what? They're brave for doing all that because you see what happened. He know what happened to his mama. So I don't know why he would. uh, I would be very afraid. I think that because of what happened to his mother is what made him um, support Megan in speaking out. The British press is tough, man. Mm -hmm. And then somebody and Pierce Morgan got fired off a Good Morning Britain after he i guess he made some controversial comments about 
what was said. And then now people are beefing with Sharon Osbourne from the talk saying that she's racist because she supports Pierce Morgan. There's like a whole bunch of fallout drama from this thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Now, Interesting. Why is everyone surprised that they are racist? That's all I'm saying. Like if, cause part of me, like if I'm going to date someone and, and be with them, they're family is like a huge part of that and if your family is mad ignorant stuff like that either keep them i will never see them in my life because i'm not doing that or like i it, it's it might be a deal breaker like we're certainly not getting married or having kids my kids are not gonna be related to that yeah they megan said that the royal family had uh conversations and concerns about how dark her son would be did you see all the memes it was so funny. Oh, with Lord. The, um, with the little card with the different shades. <laughs> yes, I did see that one. Shout out Family Guy for that that uh, content. And all the Oprah memes were funny, too. Yeah. And then, you know what somebody brought up? They were like, how are you responsible for, like, they said 36 countries Independence Days. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. And probably more. So, yes, there's something wrong with them. I don't know That's why a lot. I'm surprised. Yeah, they was just over here colonizing. And there's a long bloodline of that. That's crazy. They're responsible like, for yes. that many countries' independence days, and they still are, like, control-med territories. Right. That's wild to me. No, oh, but, you know, I hope everything works out for them. I feel like they were trying to get into the media to put eyes on them so nobody will try to get them. It could be. Like, oh, everybody's watching. Get out of here, hitman. <laughs> Harry said, I am not going out like this. Oh my god, I love the video of him like when he was a soldier and like something was happening. He just gets up out the interview and like starts running. Really? And yeah, and they like put different songs behind it. Oh my god. So they had like suavemente, suavemente. <laughs> oh no. He just, he's like get up and start running. <laughs> <laughs> it's so accurate though, that really happens. That's the easiest way to get the whole party on the dance floor. Right. Oh, my God. I got to go look that up now. And then everybody was talking about how um, ungracefully William aged. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was the other takeaway from the interview. I, I don't even know how because he wasn't even a part of the interview, but it became a thing was like how Prince William has aged. Yo, them <laughs> talk about the other like, you know, females in the family and how they looked and all it is. And what oh, my God. Called. I was like, okay. I think it was a crash course for Americans in British royalty. Well, people and families don't call each other names. Duchess, Duke. Is there like sir and lady? Is that like a thing? I've been watching too much Game of Thrones. Oh my God. I told Ty he has to call me your grace from now on. See, you guys need to stop. No, no more Game of Thrones for (laughs) (laughs) y'all. This is going entirely too far. He feels the same way. Trust me. My lady. You're going to come home in the whole costume, and I I just can't. I'm here for it. I told him after this, I was like, yo, I want to try jousting. He was like, what? It's called LARPing. Is that what it's called? Oh, wait, no. I mean, jousting is real, but, like, when you fake it, I think it's LARPing. Oh, no, I want to do it for real. Oh, my God. Like, Renaissance Fair? Um, Yeah, but probably not at the Renaissance Fair. That seems a little staged to me. Oh, oh my God. So you want to, like, really joust? Is that a sword? What is that? A cone? I think you could do it a couple different ways. I think they use like a giant pole type thing. You knock the person off the horse? Yeah. Nah, fam. I'm here for it. I'll try it. What about the horse? What if you hit the horse? Nah, you don't hit the horse. You hit the rider. I would hit the horse. Then maybe the horse will flip the person over. Like throw a stick in the spokes like with the horse? Yeah. And then it'll roll over on him. 
Oh my god, that's extra. I don't think they're supposed to die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously it hurts. Oh. I've fallen off horses before. It doesn't feel good, but I don't think they're supposed to die. Okay. This conversation went left. Yeah, my bad. We got who do we got next week? Lady Boss. Are you telling me, Lady Boss? Yeah, I just know that she, yo, she did the old school like made CDs and went and sold them and sold like two thousand copies of her project in the streets, hand to hand. Oh, you told me that. Okay, I'm yeah. excited about this. Yeah, because I can't wait to ask her about that because people don't do that anymore, and I feel like that's a necessity. All right. Yeah, girl power. That's what we're here for. Find us in the field radio on all platforms. You could listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. You could peep our website at inthefieldradio.com. You can email us info at inthefieldradio. It's getting longer, the list of things we have. Growth. Soon we'll be able to meet you guys in public. Oh my God, please. I'm ready. <laughs> you see, we brought, we both like broke the diamonds out to go to Too Humble. Yes. Like, I just, just could not wait to just be somewhere. For real. I felt like I should have dressed better to go there, but I was also like... No, you were mad far. I wouldn't have. Well, yeah, I, like, got out of work, got ready, and, like, walked out the door. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I need But we were sitting over. behind the table, so you couldn't really see anything. So as long as we could see your bazonkas, we were good. I know. I just didn't have, like, that nice of a shirt on and stuff, so we're going to have to have a do-over. Why well, told him to get us, like... The two humble booty shorts and crop tops and stuff. Yes. Yo, I love that when we interviewed Austin Fillmore, like he showed up to the interview just as broke as we were. Oh my god, yeah. Everybody was like plastered, hungover. Oh, it was good. It was that was a good thing. I was like trying to maintain professionalism and wanting to die on the inside. And then he showed up and was like, I just need to let you guys know. <laughs> I'm also dying. Oh, perfect. <laughs> well, we could die together. Great. Yeah, it sounds good to us. All right. Well, it's been real. Thanks for chilling with those chicks on Mondays. I love that. Thank I just you. want you to know that. Y'all named us that. Yeah, that's a fact. But you picked up on it and made it our own. And I think that's impressive. Aw, thanks. But we're in the field radio. 91.3 FM WVKR Poughkeepsie Independent Radio. Good night, everybody. Good night.